worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. Our God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's My God, still rolling stones away. Welcome to Watershed. We're excited that you've joined us here this morning to worship, to praise, to celebrate. We invite you to stand and please go ahead and welcome those that are around you. Yeah. 
We're going to continue in worship and sing the song, Grace is on our side. It's a reminder that God's grace is with us. He's for us in all things. So let's sing this together today.
Amen. You may have a seat. That's the truth of the gospel this morning, that the resurrected King Jesus is resurrecting us, giving us new life. And uh, this morning, before we have our children go off to children's ministry, we want them to be a part of what we all get to be a part of over these next few minutes. And this morning, we get to celebrate baptism and profession of faith. This morning, we get to celebrate God's promises gifted to Blakely. Hi, Blakely. Yeah, you heard my voice, didn't you? Yep, yep. Pastor Nate will be up here in a minute. But promises gifted to Blakely. Promises, God's promises that have been gifted to Madeline and to Leah in which they're going to profess their faith. That they own those promises. But, but the good news of baptism for us this morning is just like the good news we just sang. It's God's work. The resurrected king resurrects us. It's not about what we do for Jesus. It's Jesus who's come to us. That our life, our faith is a journey. We're going to actually hear that in the message this morning. Yeah. Am I too loud, Blakely? Uh, that's possible too. <laughs> yeah. But God has us on a journey, a journey in which he has rescued us, right? The good news of the gospel is God has met us exactly where we are. And in that meeting of us, in a, that loving of us where we are, God refuses to leave us where we are. He wants to continually rescue us, not only from our past and from the, the, the messes of our life, but he wants to rescue us into, bring us into a life that has, is full of his life, is full of his joy, is full of his hope. And so today, I just want to remind you all, Hannah, as you have Blakely baptized, Madeline, Leah, that this isn't about you. Yeah, yeah, Blakely, yeah. As much as we want to celebrate with you, we do. God loves you. God has been there for you and with you. Whether you knew it or you didn't, we'll hear those words. Whether you realized it or even whether you made all of the choices you thought you should have made or didn't make. <laughs> and God's going to continue to be with you. And so today, Hannah, you own those promises on behalf of Blakely, and you promise to raise her in that truth that God loves her. Madeline, Leah, you're going to hear these promises and you're going to say, yeah, I believe that God's never going to leave me. And that's the good news. So as we get ready to celebrate baptism and their profession of faith, I want to remind us of what baptism is this morning with these words. Baptism is a sign and seal of the promises of God to his covenant people. And that's the people he chooses to be in relationship with. That's his church. In baptism, God promises by grace alone, right? That's his work alone, 100%. In these promises, he promises to forgive our sins. That's God's promise to us. He promises to adopt us into his family, that we're never going to be alone. He promises to send his Holy Spirit, his presence, his power, his peace to us daily to renew us, to cleanse us, to lead us, to guide us. And then finally, God promises to resurrect us. Man, I wish you could see what I'm seeing right now. Blakely is like ready to go. <laughs> but God promises to bring us into his glory. 
He promises to resurrect us and bring us into a fullness of the relationship that we only get to taste part of while here on earth. These are God's promises in the baptism waters that we place on Blakely's head, in the waters that we're reminded of as Madeline and Leah profess their faith. Because this water symbolizes that God cleanses us God purifies us. God refreshes us. God renews us by his grace and his love. So at this time, I'm going to invite Pastor Nate to come up. And Hannah and Blakely, I'm going to have you come up too. Yeah. And uh, Nate's been blessed to be able to pastor these young women um, in Christ, to walk with them, journey with them. And it's good to be able to hand them off to you. Thank you. All right. Yes, good morning, everybody. He always does such a great job of explaining what baptism is. So I just get to do the, the easy part, and you get to do the same things here. I'm excited for Blakely this morning. I'm excited for your family. I'm excited for the congregation and what everything is, or what it means to everybody here, hopefully. As somebody that's sat in the congregations, both here and across the parking lot a lot, just having to see baptism from that perspective and then getting to do it from this perspective, I hope everybody looks at it with fresh eyes today because it's such a beautiful thing. And profession of faith, the same thing, such a beautiful thing. And an opportunity for us as a congregation to rally behind these guys and just be proud of them for what's going on too. So, Blakely, are you ready? I think so. Hannah, I have some questions for you here real quick, or a question. And at the end, answer, I do, Dad, help me here, okay? Do you promise to instruct this child in the truth of God's word? in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, to pray for her, to teach her to pray, and to train her in Christ's way by your example, through worship and in the nurture of the church. How do you answer? Very good. She does. Very good. All right, Blakely, come on over. Just got a little bit of water. Are you ready for your big moment? She's a superstar. Here we go. <laughs> Blakely Ray Pearson, I baptize you in the name of the Father. In the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Good job. Just taking it all in. How about a round of applause for this one? Yes, good job. All right, you guys can have a quick seat a second. Let's bring our other two superstars up here a moment. Maddie and Leah, come on up. All right. Beautiful thing again, so proud of you girls, so proud of how far you've come already. It's a beautiful thing to see these two milestones together today too, both baptism and profession of faith. So I have a few questions for you, uh, four of them, and, uh, and at the end, again, you can answer together, we do, God helping us, okay? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent to redeem the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from your sin, and do you, with repentance and joy, embrace him as Lord of your life? Question number two. Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God, revealing Christ and his redemption, and that the, and that the confessions of this church faithful, faithfully reflect this salvation? Do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism, and do you affirm with your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? And the last question, do you promise to do all that you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love? and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority, and to join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere. How do you guys answer? 
Good job, ladies. Good job. Now, congregation, this is an important part for you guys. I have one question for you, too. And this, Hannah, if you want to come back up here real quick. This applies to both Hannah and Blakely and these ladies. A question for you guys. If the congregation can rise together and answer together at the end. Do you guys promise to love, encourage, and support these sisters by the teaching of the gospel of God's love? By being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service? We do. God helping us. You guys together. We do. God helping us. Excellent. You guys can have a seat. Nice job, everybody. We got one last thing for you guys. As a show of support from the community, if we could have friends and family that would like to come up, we're just going to say a prayer over these ladies. We're just going to kind of put a hand on a shoulder. So any friends and family that would like to come up a second, come on up real quick. Take a quick look around. See all these friendly faces. Feel that support. It's a big moment. I even tucked my shirt in this morning for this moment. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for all these girls. Uh, thank you for the beautiful picture of what it means to be so young and not completely understand your love, but to give it anyways. Thank you for the beautiful picture of what it means to be uh, growing up and to understand that love even better and to make a commitment in front of everybody here today that they're going to do their best to try to live for you. Uh, thank you for the congregation, Lord, and the way that we're going to show love and support to all these girls as they grow and help us to be uh, good supporters and good examples and good role models for these girls as they learn what it means, as, as they learn what it means more to love you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for the way you bless us. I pray uh, uh, a prayer of protection over these girls um, and just that they feel your love on a daily basis even more than they do today. Amen. Thanks, everybody. You can have a seat. Let's welcome them today. All right. As we uh, get ready to hear the message, as our children get ready to hear God's message, I want to invite kids through fifth grade. Come join me and Miss Lori over at the door. And we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for us as we all hear God's word. What's up? Hey, everybody. Isn't that cool, guys, to be able to see that baptism, right? And many of you got to have those promises just like Blakely did when before you ever knew and before you, like, you can't remember it. I can't remember my baptism. I was just like this big. Can you believe that? I was like this big. Uh, yeah, I can't either. But the coolest thing again, yeah, the, the cool thing for us is that God loves us, right? That's what we're reminded of. You were that tall? Okay. We were like the same size for a, a, for a moment. All right, let's pray to God. Lord, we thank you again for your love for us. As our children and as we hear your message today, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that you'd breathe your life into us, that you'd 
breathe life into my friends here and my friends in this room, my brothers and sisters. Lord, that we would be encouraged by the gospel, by the good news, Jesus, of your love, your forgiveness, and your life. So teach us all, because we're all your children. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for never leaving us, no matter what we face. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. <laughs> uh, it's good to be able to worship. I love, and I, I think I say this every time we have a baptism profession of faith, I love it. I love being reminded of, I mean, like I said over there, I, w- I, was, I was this big when I was baptized. Yes, that doesn't, <laughs> right? Truth that was real and for me, for us, before we ever knew it, like, that God had our back long before we could have done anything to deserve his love and his life. So to be reminded of that, I don't know about you, I need to be reminded every day still. It's about God's story at work in my life. And I'm just in a journey. And that's what we're talking about this morning, that we are on a journey. And uh, in fact, I want to bring up the Hardawike mission statement. If you're not familiar with Hardawike, Watershed, where we are this morning, is one of three kind of campus ministries. We're three worshiping communities. But more than that, as you see Pastor Nate up here, I mean, youth ministry acts as its own sort of world and community as well. And we partner with Neighbors Plus. I mean, so the ministries of Heart Alike are vast, and it's cool to be a part of. But we have one vision, one vision that holds us all together. And, and it's up on the screen for us, and it's this, to see everyone. Right? There's not a person in this life that we don't want to see joining in the journey. Right? Joining in the journey of being found in, so finding our identity in Jesus. To be formed by Jesus, to let him breathe new life into us. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're on a journey of being renewed into the image of our God. Not only knowing that our identity is in him, that he's, he's recreating us, he's breathing new life into us, but that too, we're called to follow Jesus. We're called to walk with him, to, to honor him in, in what we do, in what we say. This journey this morning that we're talking about is anchored and has been, we're in, we're in the book of Colossians. So if you're in your Bible, like you can see mine up here, we're, we're in the really thin pages towards the end. Okay, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Paul writes a letter as he's sitting in jail in Rome to a church he doesn't know, but he's heard of. And a church that has been showing the life of Jesus, has been growing in the life of Jesus, is doing exactly what this mission is all about. That they're being found and formed by following Jesus. He's hearing about it in a jail halfway across the then known world. And he just says, I want to keep encouraging you in the truth of who Jesus is. And I want to keep encouraging you in your journey. Because the journey is hard. Right? I wish I can say I've arrived. But man, I'm not there yet. 
There are days where I get it. There are days when I don't. It is a journey of ups and downs. There is, it is a journey of twists and turns. It is a journey full of I don't knows and I shouldn't haves and I wish I would haves. But nonetheless, it's a journey of God's grace and forgiveness in our lives. And if we give ourselves over to that grace and forgiveness, Paul says, man, God is going to change your life. He's going to resurrect you. He's going to bring you into new life. So this morning we're in Colossians 3, and we're going to talk about what does it look like a little bit more now to be formed in the image of Jesus, to be renewed and and remodeled, reshaped into his image and some things of, of that journey. What does it look like? So I'm going to use the image later of a, of a wheel, okay? Because as I think about journey, wheels move, right? They keep our, keep our cars on the ground. They keep us moving. So we're going to see what the hub of that wheel is in some spokes. So let's dive in first to Colossians. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. Let's hear God's word this morning. Since then, Paul says, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. These first four verses are really Paul recapping for us what is central to our lives. What, we, what he's been saying all along in chapters 1 and 2 that we should never forget. Don't let anyone ever move you from. Because people are going to try, Satan's going to try, right, to move you off of this unmerited, free gift of God's love. And the fact that God likes you, even though you may not like yourself. The fact that God was for you, even though you weren't living a life worthy of him being for you. That God would raise you into new life and he'd reach down in the depths of death and darkness and say, it doesn't get to have its way with you. That what has been doesn't need to be what is or will be. Right? This is the gospel. This is what keeps the wheel, right, on on the axle, Without this, it goes rolling off. And I don't know if any of you have ever lost a wheel on your car. The, the closest I've gotten was a golf cart. And I can't say I wasn't to blame for that a little bit. I worked on a golf course. So, you know, but when it goes rolling and it don't stay on, it ain't fun. <laughs> but if we lose, if we forget that what holds us to the car, what keeps us in the journey, what's at the hub of it all, it's the gospel, that God has rescued us from darkness and he's brought us into his life. And not only has he brought us into his life here and now, but he's bringing us into his future, into his glory, into a new hope and a new life where one day we will fully see what he sees in us. We will fully realize what he's rescued and brought us into. So this is the hub. He's saying, let me remind you. So if you've been with us in this journey, Paul like has now said this like 10 times, okay, in two chapters. So FYI, he really believes this. But so do I. And he continues on now. What are some of the spokes in this journey? What are some of the things that we need to pay attention? Now he says this. He says, put to death, therefore, right? If you've died, 
then let the old go. When, you, when we die in something, right, it no longer, like if you were to die now, any of your debts are wiped away. So if you were to come to new life after death, guess what? You don't carry those debts with you again. It's pretty cool. And so God says, if you've died, now listen, put to death, stow it away. The old, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature He says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. These things, put those off because God's wrath comes for these. He says you used to walk in these ways. right? That's that's the way it used to be in the life you once lived. Verse 8, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander. Even filthy language from your lips. Goes on to say, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on a new self. Right? Jesus is that new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, the image of its creator. This is at the heart of the message this morning that we are being renewed in knowledge, the image of our creator. And it's in him that there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Right? That our identity is Christ. That's part of the gospel. But Paul says one of the spokes on the wheel in our journey that we're always going to have to be aware of is, is our vices. This morning is our sin. We're always going to have to deal with the brokenness of life in the journey. We don't get to get away from it. We're always going to have to work on putting off the old self. Even though we have died in Christ and he's resurrected us, it's a reality gifted to us. But man, I don't know about you, I'm still in a journey where I wrestle with my vices each and every day. In our text, Paul brings up two big actual like markers sexual immorality and everything that follows that he basically says oh anything that has to do with anything that has to do with you like that sexual immorality so it's everything from what you do in your bedroom to on your computer to what you read to how you think to the ways you speak and look at another person like it's 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 Everything that has to do with that. And then your lips. He says the other category is your lips, right? And and what you say and how you treat people and how you speak to people. Now here's the thing. Paul's talking 2,000 years ago. Tell me that he's not speaking into today. Amen? Do we not deal with any and all forms of sexual immorality that live and walk where we have disordered desires in our life? Not one of us in, our, in this very room hasn't dealt with sexual immorality in one way or another. No one of us is scot-free. No one of us today gets to stand in our own righteousness in this category. We've all failed. How about your language? Anybody? We've all failed. Paul says, he uses these categories, though, and if we're not careful, we miss one little important piece. He says, in all of this, it's idolatry. 
He doesn't single out these two simply because, you know, these are the only sins that exist in the world. No, he says these two actually help us realize what idolatry is. Idolatry is disordered desires. It's not that we have desires. All of us have desires. We desire beauty. We desire life. We desire to share our lives with others at times. We, I, I mean, but when they get twisted, when they get warped, when they become what God didn't intend, that becomes idolatry. When we begin to speak to others in ways that we maybe ought not to, when I let my anger get out of control, when I want to tear someone down with my language, right, I have oftentimes uncovered where I may worship something other than God, where I may be worshiping my own way. I get really angry when people don't do what I want them to do. Amen. Hello? <laughs> right? I get really upset. I'll go to rage if somebody cuts me off and nearly sideswipes me yesterday on the road. Idolatry, though. See, what Paul is trying to do is he's less concerned about what we do and he's going to continue this in the next spoke. He's less concerned about what we do as who we are. So he uses it to uncover what's in our hearts. Whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's our language, whether it's stealing from other, I mean, we could go on and on with the sins that exist. But what we do if we don't pay attention and we don't look close enough, it reveals what's in Pastor, author Tim Keller says this about, about idols. He says an idol is whatever you look at, whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Right? When we base our meaning and our purpose on the things of God, instead of God. See, because the truth is, the things of God were never created to bear the weight of our lives. Only the Creator could do that. The things didn't create us. Many times we create them. right? But they can't hold our lives up. He goes on to say then, in the rest of his book, Counterfeit Gods, if anything becomes more fundamental to God than God to your happiness, meaning in life, and identity, then it becomes an idol. Right, so on our journey, where the gospel holds us true, now see the good news is what? God has rescued us from these things. It's the old way. It's not our story going forward. So if you feel this morning, you're, you're like, oh great, thanks for talking about sexual immorality and language. Thanks for making me feel miserable this morning, Aaron. No, that's not my goal. It's also not God's goal. But he does give us the freedom to be who we are now. To know what we're dealing with and what we're facing. And he wants us to hear that in Christ, he's rescued us from those things. They don't have to be our identity going forward. So Paul invites us to put off the old. And now he's going to invite us to put something else on. Because when we take something out of our lives, if we don't fill it with something else we'll end up going back to which we're trying to get rid of. Paul says this in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, 
Right, that's the gospel. God has chosen you, has chosen us in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you're holy because of Jesus' perfection. Ladies, this morning as you celebrate, this water going on you, it purifies, right? Because of Jesus. Not because we're always that way, right? i got to be reminded that it's God who washes me and cleanses me. I'm holy because of Jesus. I'm dearly loved in Jesus. Paul says this, clothe yourselves then with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. I love that one. Put up with each other. Hey, hey, hey. But you know, that's supposed to be the church. That of all the places in the world, we don't look like necessarily our neighborhood, what we see on the news. We're a people who, anchored in grace, endure with one another, deal with each other's faults, give space for each other in those moments. We show up in kindness and grace. Because Jesus does that for us. So bear with one another and forgive. Not hold it against one another. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. What does he say? As the Lord forgave you. And Paul will call these things, he says, that over all of these things, these virtues put on love. Right again, because that's what God gifts us in Christ, love. Because it's love that binds us together in unity. So as much as Paul says part of this journey is we got to deal with sin, part of the journey is too we've got to live into the virtues that, that we might say, Paul. well, Jesus actually ends up saying, too, are, the, are the work of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul will say. That we got to let the gospel give root to our lives so that what? Humility, compassion, kindness become part of us. Notice how Paul doesn't say, oh, by the way, here's your 10-point list of things to do. Go serve your neighbor in this way. Go make sure that you checked off that you're not this way. No, he doesn't give us the laundry list of to-dos because we're not human doers. He says we're human beings. Right, that God is inviting us into a different way of being in life. And we're called to put on a virtue, that we're called to care more about who we are. Because if we care about who we are, we will do the things. How many of you, if you're a humble person, would have a hard time stepping over somebody, neglecting another? How many of you, if you show forgiveness, will be looked at as a jerk? How many of you, if you show kindness, people are going to say, I don't want to be around you, man. (laughs) Right? Because the way of Jesus, this is the way of Jesus we're talking about. Paul says, we don't use and abuse people for our own sake. We don't run over people with our mouths. No, we lean into people. We love people. Empowered by Jesus because he's the one who shows us what that means. 
in the journey of being renewed in the image of our creator, that's who Jesus is, and that's who Jesus wants us to become. But again, remember, we're being renewed, and that's a journey. Are we ever going to get there? Yeah. Paul says when we see our Savior, when he returns in his glory, that's when you'll have arrived. So I hate to break it to you. It ain't coming tomorrow. (laughs) It ain't coming next week. It ain't coming 10 years from now. It'll be when he returns. But thank God that Jesus will finish what he started. Philippians 1, verse 6. So, so far in our wheel, we've got the gospel. We're dealing with the vices of our lives, the sins, some of the idolatry of our lives. We also get to then deal with who we're becoming and the character, right? The virtue that God's trying to create us. Well, Paul is not done and neither is John Wooden. So I don't want to forget what old coach John Wooden, if you don't know him from the UCLA Bruins. But to touch on what we're talking about with virtue, he says, worry about your character, not your reputation. Because your character is who you are, and your reputation is what people think you are, right? I can't control what you think of me, but I can control who I am, amen? Right, so often we make idols out of what others think of us, right? Another form of idolatry, so I deal with that. But God's inviting us, no, focus on who I am and who I'm creating you to be. Good, wise words for us today. Worry about your character, not your reputation. Because your character is who you are. Your reputation is what people think you are. Paul continues this morning, he says this, So let the peace of Christ then rule in your hearts. Right, that goes back to the gospel. Let his shalom be anchored in you. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And we're called to peace together. He said, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Again, stay anchored in the truth, his truth. Let it be dwell among you richly as you teach and you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The next spoke that I'm going to say and that I think Paul is talking about is that we then in this journey need each other, community. Right, that we need each other in this journey. We need each other to remind us of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We need each other to know what forgiveness looks like and feels like. Right, I can understand conceptually that Jesus forgives me, but if you forgive me, now I can put flesh and blood to it. It's one of the greatest gifts the church has to give to each other and to, and to others in this world is to embody forgiveness, to embody the gospel, to embody in a love that says, you don't have to earn it, I'll give it to you freely before we even began. Right? We need each other. I need you to teach me. You need me to teach you. We need to be in the word together. I love admonishment. The word admonishment oftentimes we think is like laying the smack down. When in reality, it's helping each other get in the right headspace. Right? To say, I'm going to admonish you means I'm going to help you put your head in the right spot. I'm going to get your thinking in the right area. Actually, one, one writer, one, 
so I'm going to call him a writer, but theologian, they do words with, they put a lexicon together. That's what, you know, we pastors have to look at when we're looking at Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And, but in lexicons, one of, one of the authors, one of the writers said that to admonish means to, like, absolutely with intensity and, and with voraciousness, like, I need to encourage you. How do you like that? I need to encourage you. The writer of Hebrews says, why do we not neglect the gathering together as Christians? Whether it's on Sunday morning or grabbing a coffee with each other tomorrow morning. We don't neglect it because I need your encouragement in the journey. It's hard. And I need to encourage you. Why do we sing and worship whether you like to sing or don't? Whether you can hold a tune or can't. Whether you can keep a beat like most Dutch people can't clap appropriately. Sorry, I'm a drummer. (laughs) We sing because we sing the truth. We sing the truth back to God. We sing the truth back to one another. We don't just celebrate who God is, but we live into the reality of the stories of life. Just think about some of the songs we sang this morning. Right? We sing the truth about God's resurrection, that we have victory in him. I may not always feel that, but I know I need it. We sing about being welcomed to God's table, that we can come to the altar, whether we've had a a messy story, whether we've had a messy morning. We sing that truth, that grace is on our side because grace is all about God being for us and not against us, that there's joy in the house of the Lord, even though I may not feel happy, that there is joy available in Christ. That I know as we sing, build my life, that God is worthy of building my life upon him. This is community. We need each other. We cannot do this journey of faith. We cannot be renewed by God without being with one another. Paul's not done. He goes in verse now 17. He says, therefore, he goes, uh, sorry, not therefore, (laughs) and whatever you do, Not in just some things, in everything. Whatever you do, in all of your efforts, in all of your work, whatever you put your hands to, whatever you put your minds to, whether in word or deed, what you say and what you're a part of, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Simply put, I'm going to call this a guiding principle. Right? This is life. Paul's been talking about mystery throughout Colossians. I think oftentimes we think we need to find God's mysterious will for our lives. Anybody ever feel that way? Right? God, what's that? I I, I mean, we we take all of life and we narrow it down. I got to find the one thing to do for Jesus. And if I don't, I've missed it all and I'm going to hell in a handbasket. Like I'm a little tongue in I've actually believed that. (laughs) Right, we got to figure out exactly what does God want me to do in this moment? And if I don't, I don't know, I'm afraid, right? It, Paul says, but that's not the truth. Are there moments where God wants us to do something specific? Absolutely, I don't want to negate that. But the truth is the reality of the gospel is it gives us a freedom. About what, at Watershed, we're about freedom in the finished work of Jesus. Then we get to walk, we get to be, we get to believe, we get to live in the goodness of his freedom, in the goodness of his shalom, his life, that whatever we do, 
Whether you're a mom staying home with your kid, whether you're serving at the restaurant, whether you're playing golf on Sunday morning or playing a little hockey on Sunday morning, you know, I, I don't know, whether it's going this afternoon and playing a softball game, whether it's going to work and working on a line, whether it's sweeping the floor, whether it's sitting there owning a company, whether you're in your car, do you get where I'm going? Whatever we do has meaning and purpose in the name of Jesus. So how I live matters, yes, because who I am in what I do is the point. If I live with compassion and humility and grace and kindness in everything that I put my hands to, I put my mind to, in how I am with you and with others, it has a redeemed and holy purpose. That no one of us has a wasted life in this room. And nobody outside of this room has a wasted life either. Because when we do it in Jesus' name, when we live trying to be the person that reflects the one who has saved us and loved us, folks, you can pour concrete, you can lay bricks, you can show up to school, finish your last week, Seniors, I know you're done. Congratulations. Right? You can teach. You can guide. Whatever it is. It's redeemed. It has purpose. Right? I said it's a guiding principle. I think about a compass. For me, this has just been one of those helpful things in life to help me navigate everything I just said. You know, navigate sin. Navigate the virtues. Navigate the life. Navigate community. I mean, we say it's sort of cliche, what would Jesus do? But it's cliche for a reason. Because seriously, what would Jesus do? How could I live in such a way that Christ were living his life through me? No matter what. That's Paul's invitation to us this week. So as you go and think, remember the hub, right? You are anchored in the gospel. The gospel of what Christ has done. But that gospel isn't leaving us without a life to be lived into. A life where we face our vices and wrestle with sin. A life where we invite God's character to be formed in us. A life in which we do this in a journey together and a life that's lived every moment. Pastor Bill next week is going to be with us and he's going to unpack some of the rest of Colossians here. Because Paul will say, He's going to now give us some more living examples. But for this week, will our guiding principle be Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you again for rescuing us, for giving your life for us. Lord, that as we wrestle with sin, we know we are people who've been rescued from sin. As we go to put on your virtue, your character, as we become something, we know that we don't do that without your help. You help us. Your Holy Spirit actually produces that character in us. So we simply join in your work in us. And Lord, we know we don't do it alone. You're with us. But you've also given us the church, your body, so that we know we don't do this alone. God, and finally, thanks for redeeming every bit of our life. 
that there can be purpose in the things we do and in what we're a part of if we do it in your name. Lord, if we do it in a way that reflects you. Lord, in all of this, though, we need your help. We need you to guide us. We don't just need to pray for Leah and Madeline and Hannah and Blakely this morning and even in fusion as Emma and Hannah, they, they have profession of faith. They profess their faith. Lord, they're, they're not the only ones who the spotlight's on today. It's all of us. We're all in this journey. The good news is you'll never leave us. You'll always be working for us, even though we might not be working alongside of you. And you're always working to bring your life in us. So Lord, help us to all just get on board. Help us to receive what you've given in Christ. To say, Lord, yes, it's your way, your will, your Lord, your Savior. I need you. And then to say, Lord, make that our confession each and every day. So God, thanks. Thanks for your good news today. Thanks for reminding us that you're not going to leave us in our sin. You're going to renew us. You're going to continue to work life out in us. And thanks that we have a future hope in you. Jesus, we pray these prayers and many more in your name. And all God's children say, Amen. I invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing one more song this morning. It's an opportunity for us to as well profess our faith using the words of the song. We declare we're going to build our life on Jesus.
foundation is God's love for us. That Christ did what we could not do. He was who we could not be. And he will empower us to become the person he believes we truly are. And he created us to become. That's our foundation. Not that we had it all, but that he does. And he'll keep pouring his life into ours. And the gift we can give to others is we would do the same for them. That we would do the same for one another. That we'd have each other's back. We'd bear with one another. We'd show humility, compassion, kindness, and love. That's a life, I don't know about you, but it's worth building upon and living. That's a life full of meaning and life. As we live into that, as we, as we accept and live into God's good news, receive this blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. You feel the smile of our Lord, receive his peace. Pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our Father who loves us and the Spirit who dwells within us. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in God's peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, otherwise hang out and...